how you are in the world matters. Overwhelm is inevitable and optional. It's time to listen up and make it optional for you. Hello, welcome to this week's episode of the Overwhelm is Optional podcast, making overwhelm optional for you so you can live fully because overwhelm is rubbish and damaging and it's time that as humans we learnt to do something about it. So this week I've got a very powerful practice that you can start using today. Now you'll have heard me mention it before if you've been listening to this podcast for a while but I've been going back to re-examine it. Unexpectedly lovely things. So one of the things I say is always expect the unexpectedly lovely and you will find it which sounds really nice right and this is the problem. I've started to kind of brush it off. The words don't hit me in the same way as they used to. And that's time to start examining what's going on. Because this is the problem, isn't it? It's like the problem with the practice of gratitude. It can become, oh, yeah, I'm really grateful for this. And I know we ought to be grateful for this. And we can get a little bit blasé. So I'm doing a whole episode on unexpectedly lovely things because actually it's such a powerful practice. I cannot un understate the power of it should you choose to accept the challenge of using it deeply if you just did this this would change your life so always expect the unexpectedly lovely can you always expect it i find that pretty damn hard always expect the unexpectedly lovely but if you could always do it that would change your life because that would mean that you'd got your brain to Um, move away from its default pattern which is always to expect danger and that's not because we're all terribly depressing it's because our mind has evolved to keep us safe not necessarily happy so our mind's default pattern is to always expect danger so that we're ready to run or fight or freeze how many times does that happen to you when somebody says a harsh word to you So always expecting the unexpectedly lovely counteracts that cognitive bias, that inbuilt negativity that leads to misery and the stress um, system in the body just being out of whack all the time, which leads to being stuck in overwhelm, being exhausted, just feeling really frustrated. So let's examine it. This is how you do it. You decide that you're going to practice it and that's a commitment. That's huge. That sounds like, oh, well, that's obvious, Heidi. No, it's not. What if you actually committed to doing it? How are you going to do that? Are you going to set a timer? Are you going to put post-it notes everywhere? Are you going to get somebody to remind you? You have to decide. You have to commit to it. So a good way to start is to say, on the hour, every hour, I'm going to look around the room for something unexpectedly lovely. And then you'll do it at least once unexpectedly lovely is really important the word lovely I find that I can easily start to dismiss that oh that's nice that's lovely I think nice has got to be one of the worst words in a way in the English language because we go oh that's nice and what does it mean it's like I'm fine that's nice it's lovely no let's just think about that what is genuinely lovely to you so right now I can think the incredible softness of not just my dog's ears, but my um, son's dog's ears. So my grand puppy, <laughs> her ears are 
wow, they're just ridiculously soft. So I can't keep my hands off her ears. Luckily, she likes it. That's really lovely. And it's always unexpectedly lovely because it's so soft. I Maybe if she lived with me, I'd be like, oh, there's the soft ears. They're lovely. But because I don't see her all the time, there's that unexpectedness. And it's the unexpectedness that ups the loveliness because we can become blasé to loveliness. It's only when we haven't had something for a while that it becomes lovely again. And that's a shame, isn't it? So I'm thinking, you know, you go camping and there's no toilet and then you come home and there's a toilet. And suddenly it's like, oh, this is so nice. Running water when you don't have it and then you have it again. When something breaks and then it's mended, everything just becomes magical again. So how can we keep that? How can we keep the magic of ordinary things coming back to us? Well, by practising, deliberately looking and expecting to find something unexpectedly lovely. So the idea isn't to, you know, go well out of your way and make it a big deal. The idea is to stay exactly where you are. I mean, you can move around if you want, because um, good excuse to fidget, because fidgeting's good, because how much do we just spend too much time sitting still? Um, so you just pause and you look around you and you find something unexpectedly lovely, not just lovely. This is so important. Because if you've reached a stage where, yeah, your home's lovely, but you can't really feel it anymore because maybe you really want to go on holiday and <laughs> you can't go on holiday at the moment, um, it takes away. So we're trying to bring back the magic by deliberately retraining the brain away from looking for threat and danger and then away from that blase, oh yeah, well, everything's just the same, to unexpected loveliness. So I'm going to look around the room now. So there's a picture, a painting of a cow. I can't remember the artist, a West Country artist. And I wanted this picture for a long, long time. And I finally got myself one several years ago. And actually is unexpectedly lovely. But the thing is, because when I walk in the room, it's just part of the room, I don't notice it. It's only by deliberately looking at it and noticing it that I get that magical feeling back. And I actually am drawn to it in the moment because I was standing in front of it the other day and I looked and I thought oh, I remember buying this I remember meeting the artist I remember wanting this for a long time and I remember the excitement when it arrived framed so there's also the the bodily memories of that painting so it's not just the painting is it you can so you can go deeper and deeper and deeper and this is my point if you what we're doing here is retraining the attention and when you train your attention you change your life because we live in a very distractible world and the, the mind wants to always look for threat and danger. So being able to very, very deliberately bring your attention back to what you choose. And I don't just mean for focus and work. I mean from the loops of doom, the nagging endless to do list, the threats that your mind will create if it can't find any. To be able to do that is powerful. And that's how you get out of overwhelm. That's how you get the headspace you crave. So I'm looking at this cow picture now. And it brings lots of things to mind and to my body. This feeling of ease <clears throat> and joy. The memory of going out of my way to meet the artist and, and talk to her and see where she painted. How exciting was that? What a privilege. How lucky was that? being there with my partner. How nice is it to have a partner who will 
go with me to look at a painting, even though it's not his kind of painting. There's just so many things. You can find something very small and deliberately look for unexpected loveliness in it. And you will find it. It might take it. Actually, it will take effort because the point is you're not looking for lovely things. You're looking for unexpected loveliness. So you can pick something that's already lovely, but look for something unexpected about it. Because the unexpected nature is what, because it's harder work and it requires focus, that's what's retraining the attention. Can you see the difference? If you just look around you and go, well, that's lovely, that's lovely, it can be nice. But if you want to really nail this, if you want a real shift in your ability to control your attention, go for depth. So it's a very, very tiny practice. And the depth of it, the impact on your life is completely determined by how you choose to use it. And that's why I go back to step one is the commitment. It's not easy. It's easy to say you're going to do it. It's easy to say, oh, yeah, I'm going to start being more grateful, noticing and appreciating my surroundings. But actually, that's not the way we're wired. Not most of us. We're wired to find threat and danger. We're not wired for happiness. So pick something now. I invite you to pick anything you want. And it doesn't have to be visual. I'm I'm very visual, so I'm going to go for something visual most of the time. But it could be, say you're like in a place where, you know, you're in like a real box of an office and there isn't anything particularly beautiful to look at. If you can't find something, I mean, you could like, I don't know, find a horrible grey laminate something and go well this is amazing look what humans have managed to produce I don't know you could kind of you could try to find something unexpectedly lovely about it I have no idea because I'm not in that box with you I'm in my office and so for me I've deliberately put lovely things in it so it's easier but it doesn't have to be something visual so if there's nothing external that's easy, because always, although I'm saying it's good to make it difficult because that retrains the attention, you still want to start easy. Don't be so hard on yourself. So getting out of your head and you can close your eyes for a moment if you want to and then into the body. Notice how the body's feeling and find the part of the body that feels most happy, most at ease and just enjoy that. Because if you had toothache, That'd be really hard, right? So if you haven't got toothache right now or back pain or something niggling, that's freedom from that. That's really nice. But we only tend to notice when the pain stops. So taking some time to get out of the head into the body and saying, oh, that's really nice. I used to have a pain now and I haven't now. Or I used to have a stiff neck and I can move it. Oh, that's so nice. Can you see? And then you can go in deep inside every cell in your body and you can allow that feeling of ease and joy and space to spread through the body. And that's, that increases the unexpected love, loveliness. And you can do that from, from a visual thing. So when I'm looking at the painting and I can feel the joy in my body, I can allow that feeling to spread. Can you see? So there's, there's lots of ways to make it deeper. So step one is to make the commitment and to make a commitment, you usually need some sort of reminder or accountability. That's part of the commitment. I'm actually going to do what I say. So I'm going to make it possible and easy 
So you could have an accountability buddy, you could have post-it notes, you could use some tech to set a reminder, whatever works for you. Next is to do it. And thirdly is to notice how you do it and then to deepen it. So it's a bit like you're, well, it's exactly what you're doing is taking something very small and getting as much from it as possible. So it's allowing, um, it's allowing ease and joy and loveliness to be given to you because it's all there, but our minds block it out. And when we're stuck in our heads feeling really, really overwhelmed, we get very, very, very fixated on getting through. And then we miss all of the loveliness that is around us because there's always unexpected loveliness around. There's always something, but we can't see it through the fog of overwhelm. So just spending one moment every hour or even one moment every day retraining your attention away from all of the things you need to do, the fog of overwhelm, how exhausted you feel, however you feel, and just finding, deliberately seeking out something unexpectedly lovely and then allowing that to fill you, really deepening that practice, particularly in the body, allowing the physical sensations of ease and joy and loveliness to spread through you. Just see how you go. See what that does. You're retraining your attention. You're rebelling against, you know, years and years of evolution. You just, it's a major up level. It's life changing. And I'd love, love, love to know how you get on. I love it when people contact me. So please feel free to. You just email me, Heidi at HeidiMark.co.uk. And please do share this. I've had so many people saying, how much they value my podcast but for more people to find it it does require you to share it because it's the the sharing and the subscribing and the telling other people that's that's how podcasts get to reach more people and as my mission is to reach more people um i'd love for you to help me that in itself would be unexpectedly lovely leaving a review helps it's more searchable for people um or even just um yeah, just sharing it with someone would be amazing. Thank you so much and I'll see you next week. To find out more about my tiny, huge, life-changing practices, please visit www.heidimark.co.uk.